Speaking of Gifts is the exclusive podcast of the Gifts and Decorative Accessories editorial team. Join us twice a month to discuss the latest news in the gift and home industries, plus hear exciting behind-the-scenes chatter on gift trends and interviews, get a sneak peek at upcoming features, and hear from surprise guests. So this episode is sponsored by Mud Pie, which creates great gifts for all of life's sparkling moments, both for holiday and just everyday celebrations. Their products really inspire laughter, inspiration, and joy. They are your one-stop resource for home kids and fashion. They're great for fashion-forward gals, entertainers, home decorators, those mamas and their littles, just anyone who enjoys celebrating every day, who loves to play hostess and entertain, who never arrive empty-handed, and who love effortless, stylish fashion. You can visit Mud Pie in Atlanta, Dallas, Las Vegas, or online at wholesale.mudpie.com. Hi, and welcome back to Speaking of Gifts. You're here with your editor-in-chief, Lenise Willis. Anne-Marie Earl, Managing Editor. And Alex Herring, Senior Editor. So first of all, make sure you stay tuned for later in the um, podcast. We're going to bring on a very special guest. The Senior Director of Product Management for Wear-A-Wear is going to be talking a little bit more about some digital tools that you might be using. So make sure you stay tuned. So I guess the big news right now is uh, Hurricane Dorian, um, which we all know um, blew through last week. And uh, I'm sure we've been following it. I particularly was following it um, because I don't take my summer vacation until um, this week of September. Um, So just hoping everything's going to be okay this week. Um, But I know really sad news was the Surf Expo. Uh, Unfortunately, was canceled due to, um, you know, Hurricane Dorian. And we will keep you posted. I don't know if they're going to reschedule it. Um, You know, we don't have any more information about that. But obviously, we've reached out to them and asked. And if we have any updates on that, we will let you know on giftsanddeck.com. And we also, you know, I literally just scheduled um, the November backstory for the Charleston Tea Plantation. As you know, Charleston got hit, um, you know, pretty bad with Hurricane Dorian They saw a lot of flooding. I know the plantation itself was closed for tours. Um, We're going to get a few updates on them too, but hopefully, you know, everything is okay and we'll be able to interview them soon. So if all works out, look for that feature in the November issue. Um, You know, they're a really cool made in America tea company and they have um, Bath and Body products and stuff too, which works for November because that's her Bath and Body issue. But that's just a little tidbit to what to uh, look forward to in the coming issues. We've covered charitable organizations giving back to hurricane survivors in the past at giftsanddeck.com. And if we hear anything about any Dorian relief, we will certainly publish that. So keep an eye out on our website. Absolutely. And of course, you know, our thoughts go out to all the retailers that might have been affected, obviously, as well as the consumers. But I know it's really difficult to get your store back on track after, you know, flooding or things that can happen. So Um, All of those, you know, retailers out on the coast, our thoughts certainly go out to you as well. And Alex, I know um, in your household, you guys are very much prepared uh, this month. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, my husband was reminding me this morning that September is National Preparedness Month, and he is definitely very prepared. Um, He works for the county government in a neighboring county of ours, and uh, he's on their emergency response team. So anytime there's anything like a hurricane that were, if it were to hit that county, he would be 
uh, on the front lines helping with the relief there. And so in his car, he's got everything you could possibly need. Um, he's got a backpack filled with just anything that you would want to have an emergency, like um, emergency meals and those like dried freeze packets. Uh, he's got flashlights, blankets, change of clothes, um, towels. You know, you, you don't ever really think about needing those things, but seeing how prepared he is has actually inspired me to like, oh, maybe I should have a car kit or something. Um, you know, and I really think that this uh, could be an opportunity for retailers who um, want to just help their customers on how to be educated on what should you do uh, if your area is being affected by a natural disaster. So I really think having a display of um, those emergency items could be really useful for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um Candle, you know, lots of people always have candles um, and things like that when their powers go, when their power goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, retailers most likely are going to have a lot of those lying around too. So that's a great way to you know display your candles um, as well as far as you know any blankets and throws like you mentioned, any trail mix or snack bars and things like non-perishable items that you might have in your store. Mm-hmm. It's a, you're right, and for especially for September, it's a great way to sort of remarket those items yeah. as or a necessity, ponchos, not just a want. Yeah, Wellingtons. Yeah, yeah. Stuff too. I usually end up having um, a per like a kit in my car just because I'm bad about cleaning it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in lighthearted news uh, about Dorian, the other day one of our colleagues was talking about wanting to be swept off her feet by Dorian. And I was like, oh, are you dating a Frenchman? (laughs) (laughs) I just completely forgot that was the name of the hurricane. She looked at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're prepared, though, (laughs) kit-wise. Maybe not mentally, but kit-wise. Uh, Some part of me is prepared, at least. There's that. (laughs) So other big news that happened uh, just last week. So P. Graham Dunn, um, which has been manufacturing home decor and wall signage and gifts um, for 40 years now, actually just is um, announced that they're selling its company, but to its employees, which is really interesting. Um, So it's selling um, the company in the form of an employee stock ownership program which means that all 300 current employees will be retained in the transition um, and the eligible employees will actually become owners, which I um, found really interesting. And of course, the company will still retain that um, familiar P. Graham Dunn name, uh, which is, of course, after Peter Graham Dunn, the founder and um, I guess current CEO until the transition occurs. Um, And... Uh, Peter Dunn will continue to contribute to product development and operations um, from an advisor standpoint. But yeah, I mean, this has been a family-owned business, but I do love, he had a quote that he said, um, you can find the article on giftsanddeck.com, but um, in the article, Peter talked about this being what he believes the best thing for his company, because some employees have been there since the very beginning for 40 years. So you have these legacy employees that are now you know, stepping up and are still with the company. They're still helping to drive the company according to its longstanding values. And he believed that, um, you know, instead of selling it off to another company, selling it in the um, stock ownership format and letting the employees continue to drive its direction was the best thing to continue their legacy. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a great reward for um, those employees who've been there and had loyalty to the company to now be able to actually own it. That's very exciting. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we recently heard from Christmas World about uh, decorating for the autumn season. They actually had a really interesting tip, I thought. Um, so we know earlier in the year, uh, they talked about the new trends for Christmas. And one of them was essential ceremonies, which is much more um, heartfelt, sincere, simple decor, but um, really focusing on um, those quiet moments at home, so very rustic and wooden, using natural elements. Um, and they talked about how this is also something that's very suitable for the fall season because, um, you know, outside when the leaves are falling, those tree branches become bare. You can use those traditional Christmas wreaths and just, you know, use some ribbon with it and really just be creative in using it for autumn as well. So I thought they had some really great examples about that, and uh, we do have that article on our website. So um, just a really great way to kind of transition from the autumn season into Christmas. Yeah, and I think that's so important because it sneaks up on you so fast. Like there really isn't a lot of time between that sort of autumn Thanksgiving time period of decor and then bam, holidays right on you. So I know it sneaks up on me too. I usually have Halloween stuff still up (laughs) until it's time to switch out for Christmas. Uh, And just to update everyone on the tariff news, um, 15% tariffs on $112 billion worth of goods from China took effect on Sunday. Uh, retailers are obviously struggling um, in terms of not passing this um, tax onto their customers. Uh, Target actually just demanded that suppliers absorb the tariff costs to shield consumers, which I think is a valiant effort, um, and they're great spokespeople for their consumers, but also for smaller retailers, it's a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. to just demand something like that. Um, Carol Schroeder had written... Uh, a blog back in October, and she had said, you know, there are a few things you can do before you resort to a price hike on your goods. Um, One thing you can do, analyze all of your expenses carefully. Higher prices mean a decline in sales, and higher wages mean that payroll will take a larger percentage of your gross margin. So just look at your finances very, very carefully. Number two, Evaluate customer shopping patterns so that you can schedule in a way that makes the most efficient use of your staff time. So if you know that it's going to be a dead Sunday, do not have several employees in your store at once. Number three, take markdowns on older merchandise to free up inventory for new stuff that you know is going to sell. That's a no-brainer. Number four, consider consignment. There's no cost to you, uh, and then you know you'd get complete profits on that. Number five, source products not made from China. Now, from the CEO summit in Las Vegas, it was discussed that this will probably venture off into other countries, you know, and their goods. But for now, China is the one that we need to focus on. So do not source products from China if you can help it. Number six, stock up on bestsellers before the the hike again. So in December, mid-December, it's going to rise again. So make sure you have all your bestsellers before then, or at least the order in. So that's what retailers can do to try to avoid those uh, tariff hikes and try to protect your customers as long as you can. Yeah, thank you so much for those um, tips, Anne-Marie. We're always appreciative of Carol Schroeder and her blog on our website. Um, I really found um, number four interesting when you were talking about considering using consignment. That's actually something that came up a few times in our uh, roundtable discussions with retailers this year 
where a few of them had had uh, quite a bit of success with their sort of a secondhand corner, especially when it came to uh, children's apparel and stuff too, because they grow out of them so quickly. Um, but yeah, several retailers have. Um, I know we even went to one um, right yeah, here in mm-hmm, right yeah. here in Greensboro, mm-hmm. and um, she did the same thing. She had a consignment section, and so far the ones that we've talked to, it's done really, really well. And so that's what's going on on um, the home base um, in the United States. Speaking of a little bit of a broad news. Alex is preparing to go to Honduras in just a few days. How are you feeling? I know. Um, it's starting to hit me that this is real. For a while, I've been like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. And now it's almost here. And I'm just getting so excited about it. Um, and definitely want to make sure I brush up on my Spanish before I get there. <laughs> <laughs> make sure I'm not, you know, saying egregious errors. Uh, but, yeah, I, I cannot wait. Um, I I feel like I'm going to learn so much more about what Bridgewater is doing um, you know, they actually, um, when they invited us out to this trip, they also invited uh, everyone who's going to help donate some of the, some supplies to the orphanages that we're going to, that um, just some things like deodorants and things that they need. And um, so I was able to do that. And so I actually, I cannot wait to actually see the faces that are going to be getting these um, supplies. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, they actually just asked me a couple days ago, uh, if I would be willing to help create some video content for them, because they always do a video about the the um, the trip. So um, I'm going to be actually doing a little bit of vlogging every day. <laughs> I don't have that much experience doing vlogging, but it's actually something I've always kind of wanted to do. Um, and I think this will be a really fun a chance to get to do a little bit of international journalism, which when I was younger, that was my dream was to be like an international CNN correspondent. So this is kind of me like dipping my toes into that world a bit. Um, So I'll definitely be, uh, I think at the beginning of the trip, I'll talk about what I'm looking forward to and what I'm expecting. But then at the end of every day, I'll talk a little bit about what I've seen, what I've learned. uh, And then hopefully, you know, at the end, I'll have some great epiphany. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Um, yeah, and we definitely, uh, you all can follow Alex's journey on our Instagram channel. Um, so look us up on Instagram. Hopefully you're already following us. Um, you'll be keeping our live story updated yes. um, with different, you know, um, little vlog intro, um, interviews, letting us know how you're feeling each day. Um, I think, too, you're planning on covering and taking a few pictures of the South Carolina tour before you go of their factory, their area. Yeah, we will be doing a tour of uh, Bridgewater's candle factory and uh, they I think they're going to go in a little bit more into the history of how they got involved with rice bowls a charitable organization that they're working with so I'll definitely be able to have a little bit of a write-up on that and uh, hopefully take some photos and uh, put that on our site awesome so yeah follow us on Instagram to um, get some of those behind the scenes looks at um, Alex's trip with them into Honduras and also look on our website like you said we're gonna um, share that final highlights video Um, on our website as well. Gift Gap, your guide to the latest product trends and the stories behind the gifts. So now that weather is going to start cooling off and we're getting into that fall season, I am, I think that's kind of the baking season. Um, I'm very much already planning like Thanksgiving desserts that I want to make or learn how to make because I'm not really a baker. (laughs) Um, But Alex, I think you posted something just this past Friday on a few of those gifts. So what can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, Denise. It's definitely about to be baking season. And you think about fall is so associated with apples and pumpkins and uh, pumpkin pie. There's apple tarts. So um, I think baking is right up there with all of that. Um, So we've got some great gifts on our Friday finds from last week. Uh, One of the things I just got a kick out of was L&B towels, which had, um, they always have little fun messages on their towels, but one that they had was um, the Pillsbury Doughboy is my spirit animal. (laughs) I feel like that's that's me when I'm baking. (laughs) Anything to do with the easy baking mixes, that's all me. Um, There was one that we have that's just absolutely beautiful. It's this Mrs. Anderson's Paisley Rolling Pin by Harold Import Company. It's got these beautiful um, embossed designs on it. And when you roll it out onto the pastry, it leaves those designs on the pastry. Oh, really? Yeah, so it looks like you spent all this time carving and cutting these intricate designs and you really just rolled that over the dough. <laughs> but no one has to know your secret, so <laughs> that's always great. And then, um, you know, we had uh, some really colorful sprinkles that I think just add a little fun touch to whatever you're baking. Um, maybe you don't want a rolling pin, but you still want it to look kind of fun and colorful. Uh, and one of the things I thought was really cool too was Le Crisette has a five-piece muffin set. It comes with steel muffin pans, stoneware, batter bowl, spatula, stainless steel measuring spoons. Um, and you, I always love Le Crisette. Actually, I have a lot of their stuff at home because I just think they have such quality products. So when I saw that, I was very excited. I thought, you know, maybe uh, I might check into that if I'm making muffins this season. So that's actually my trick because I'm a terrible baker, but I love like decorating. I love the art component. And so I'm my secret is Sara Lee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I often <laughs> I often will use a box um, to bake muffins or cupcakes or something. But then I'll make like homemade icing because that I can do. And oh. then buy like the cool, you know, um, cupcake decorations or like, you know, sprinkles because those really help. Um, and then it looks homemade, but it's only half homemade. <laughs> no shame. Yeah. So don't ask me to bring desserts to potlucks, I guess, is what we learned <laughs> from this conversation. Um, and Amory, I know you are you are a baker. You're the baker in your family. It doesn't look good, but it tastes good. And that's my goal. Yeah, yeah you made us um, some Christmas biscuits last year that I absolutely loved. Oh, so. good. And you had them in these beautiful little tins as well. I remember that. That was yeah. really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I especially love baking with my daughter. She gets really into it. And if we're not using the KitchenAid mixer, it's just not baking to her. Uh, we've been really uh, fortunate for a company called Sprinkle Pop to send us these amazing, beautiful sprinkles. They sent us some holiday ones, and I've been kind of waiting to use those. I can't wait to put those on some cookies, um, or I might make a cake, I don't know. Um, And we also just got this really gorgeous rolling pin from Vermont Rolling Pins. And this thing is solid. It's big. It's really smooth and beautiful. You can tell that it's just handcrafted. And um, I'm really looking forward to using that as well. So speaking of getting together and gathering for the holidays, we're all starting to think about Thanksgiving and what those meals really mean and getting ready for setting the table. Um, I'm working on an article for the September-October issue Uh, It comes out later in September, but it's about setting the table for the holidays. Uh, You know, millennials in particular, a lot of them in cities have very limited space to keep all their dishes. So 
the odds of them having a separate set for the holidays is pretty slim. Um, and they're really starting to have families and entertain. And so they really want to be able to make their table special also, but they don't have a separate set, you know, to make it super holiday. So I've been talking with some vendors, um, Fiesta being one, Nora Fleming being another, Royal Dalton also. And it, these companies, oh, and Spode, because Spode is like the Christmas mm-hmm. uh, tabletop company, um, which has beautiful, beautiful stuff. But they um, they have been stressing putting, like layering in holiday elements. So with, you know, little elements of floral, you know, something or other, or with the um, textiles that you put on your table, those things can add that holiday element while still using your everyday items. Um, I talked with Nora Fleming, and they had said that it's actually comforting to use your trusted pieces that you use day in and day out, and then adding in certain um, napkin holders that are particularly special or um, new napkins or placemats um, and centerpieces that just really add to that look. We had um, a candle company, Reagan House, Mm -hmm. um, on the cover of the August issue that had some really pretty um, candle centerpieces for the table for holiday specifically that I think would be a great um, option as well. And it's just we're always looking for a way to celebrate the everyday and to gather, and the holidays are the perfect excuse to do that. So I'm looking forward to finishing this article and sharing it with all of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just happy to know I was already doing some of this stuff. <laughs> I'm already on the boy. have my um, Christmas accessories, but I use my everyday plates, um, Norotaki China. So yeah, cool. I am on trend. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, a serveware platter would just be... Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we do in our families because, you know, you often, I guess millennials are a little different, but, you know, a lot of people have like their wedding china or their nicer china, but it's still every day. It's not Christmas specific. And so we get excited to be able to use just the nice everyday dishes, if that makes any sense. Um, I guess the nice non-seasonal dishes, but my mom and I get really excited to buy like serving platters or like little, you know, cookies for Santa platters, like all those little fun things that you can mix in because we just like that more. So yeah, we get excited to do that. And it's an easy investment, you know, it's just one platter. It's really easy to sort of change up every year. So that's something that's more of a repeat buy for us. And easy to store too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't take up a lot of space to just have a platter in your cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. What I love to do is get those small um, whimsical um, salt and pepper shakers. And you can get so many like different ones of Santa's or like Christmas campers. And so I'll do little salt and pepper shakers of different Christmas themed things for every place at the table. Oh, that's clever. I like that. And then you don't have to like tear the table down trying to get to the salt and pepper that's across the table. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So um, as we're preparing for our October issue, which we're also excited about, we work on a lot simultaneously here at Gifts and Decorative Accessories. So we are um, in the throes of our October issue and evaluating our own research. 
Um, but we actually had um, an interesting article recently um, by the National Candle Association and a little bit about their survey. Um, Alex, I think that uh, you posted that. Do you want to talk a little bit about what they found? Yeah, it was a really interesting article. had plenty of insights that I think are really interesting. One of the things that surprised me was it said the survey that they did showed that scented jars were the most preferred candle type, which that I kind of expected. But single wicks were preferred over multi-wick varieties, which I thought was interesting because multi-wicks usually help throw the fragrance more Mm -hmm. and it gives you more of an intense fragrance at at the same time. But I guess um, people just like the simplicity of a single wick. So This might be a dumb question, but does the candle burn faster when it has three wicks instead of one? Usually, but it, yeah. at least it burns evenly. It's even though. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of a pro and con. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, so that was something that was interesting. And they also talked about the top five candle colors, uh, which were blue, purple, pink, peach, and red. So mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And I remember, too, them saying something about the color choice is often because it's associated with the scent that it comes with mm-hmm. when people pick their color. And that seems so obvious, but I didn't really think about it. But I was like, yeah, because I always think of apple cinnamon or cranberry or spicy when I think of red. I always think of like breezy floral or ocean breeze when I hear blue, you know, so that's kind of interesting too. Yeah. And I also think like blue, purple and pink, those could be also very good floral colors and floral is usually one of the most popular mm-hmm. scents. So I think that does make sense there. Um, so that, that was kind of expected. Uh, the majority of consumers said they had no preference in wax type. So, I mean, it's great if you want to say it was made with beeswax or coconut wax, but just know most consumers don't really care about that so much. They would rather have something that smells great and looks great. Um, and this I thought was interesting too. They did find in the survey that although candle purchases obviously go up in those colder months when you want to be warm and cozy at home, 40% of candle buyers purchase candles throughout the year. So there's never a bad time to sell candles. That's right. And I'm, I know they talked about um, how many people give a candle as a gift too. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I mean, candles are so, they're easy to give to someone. Like anyone can use a candle you know, like it's it's not dependent on their specific interest. It's not even de- dependent on their their gender. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. It kind of made me think of this SNL skit about the candle shared around the world. But it's about anytime someone jumps on you and gives you a Christmas gift, and you're like, oh, because you didn't you can you didn't buy them a gift. You didn't know you were exchanging gifts. Have a candle. Yeah, they, and they're like, and then this candle comes out. You know, because everyone has a candle at the ready at all times. So I just thought that was funny. But I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, um, they did say the most common occasions for gifting candles were birthdays, winter holidays, Mother's Day, housewarming, and Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I love to give candles as a housewarming gift because it's too. literally this is something to literally warm your home yeah so it's quite quite on the nose but you know what it's fun um and so yeah they did find consumers um the things that they most look for when they're buying a candle was nice presentation high quality name brands decorative images decorative containers and a light or universal scent yeah i love anything that has a really decorative container because it looks elevated and nice 
and it kind of acts as home decor too. Mm-hmm. And you can I reuse it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one thing I know we talked about in our last podcast about the um, alternative spirituality really coming up. Um, I've noticed a bit just in candles in general, I've seen a lot more spiritually themed candles, whether it's, um, you know, like faith-based or whether it's more promoting meditation. So actually one of the coming up Friday finds, I will be posting one about candles for a spiritual retreat at the home. So awesome. be on the for that. Oh, I'm excited to see that. And um, I think the last uh, good bit of news um, from that article too was that most people, when they buy a candle, buy it in store. And it said only 6% of people said they bought a candle online because I guess obviously they want to smell it. it. Yeah, you can't smell it through the computer. Today anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think that's one of – I think candles and probably also bath and body are two like solid categories that you're always going to want to feel for yourself and probably fashion as well because you you never know how something you order online is going to fit on your body. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this episode is sponsored by Mud Pie, which creates great gifts for all of life's sparkling moments, both for holiday and just everyday celebrations. Their products really inspire laughter, inspiration, and joy. They are your one-stop resource for home kids and fashion. They're great for fashion-forward gals, entertainers, home decorators, those mamas and their littles, just anyone who enjoys celebrating every day, who loves to play hostess and entertain, who never arrive empty-handed, and who love effortless, stylish fashion. You can visit Visit Mud Pie in Atlanta, Dallas, Las Vegas, or online at wholesale.mudpie.com. Today, we are here with Dan Caro, Senior Director of Product Management for WearAware. For those of us um, just tuning in who don't know WearAware, they're an award-winning B2B digital agency and software company, um, and they have lots of gift and home clients, and they've been doing some amazing things for the industry for the past 19 plus years. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Anne-Marie. So I wanted to talk to you today because we had gotten um, a blog post up on Digital Insider from Allison Hunter, who's with WearAware, and she had written about um, PIM systems. Um, I'm not, (laughs) I am not super versed in PIM systems, so her article was very informative for me. But for those listeners tuning in who haven't, read the blog yet, I thought that who better to talk to than you, um, the Director of Product Management. Um, So Dan, can you tell us a little bit about what a PIM system is? Sure. So a PIM system is a product information management system. And basically what it is in simple terms, it's a tool to help vendors manage their product information and images in order to allow them to sell those products online. Okay, so this means that it, the information as it changes goes across multiple platforms? Yeah, and those platforms normally are like e-commerce, so like the vendors, B2B and B2C websites. It can also be Amazon, it can be Wayfair, it could be Overstock, any online marketplaces like that. Okay, and who currently, um, can you tell me who you currently have as a client who's using a PIM system right now? Uh, we have a variety of clients that are using it. Uh, it goes from uh, vendors across gift, home, and furniture. Um, we're also working with a, a couple of agencies um, that are working with vendors, and we're using the product information management system to compile all of that data to support the agency. So 
uh, a lot of those industries. Oh, great. So when did you all see a need for a PIM system and what did it take to get product Fastlane up and running? That's your um, Wear Aware PIM system. It actually took us a while. Um, I would say it started because we've been doing websites for vendors for more than 20 years now. Um, So it was taking all of that experience and then applying it to a product information management system. The the reason that's important is in order to stand up an e-commerce website, you need to have the data and images taken care of, specifically all the product information that you're putting up on the site. So we had a lot of in, we had a lot of insight into that, and then we basically leveraged that insight to start building out a product information management system. So it took us a while basically to put the user interface together. We wanted it to be something simple that both sales and marketing uh, staff would feel comfortable doing. Because there's a lot of other product information management systems out there, but they they rely on IT staff to be able to manage it. Uh, we built our system to, for your general uh, day-to-day sales or marketing person at a gift home and furniture vendor that they'd be able to use it. And so it sounds like it would be good for, you know, obviously vendors with a lot of SKUs, but also vendors who are just starting out. Yeah, I mean, we make it easy. So even if you don't have a lot of products and like product Fastlane can work with vendors that have hundreds of thousands of products to vendors that have just hundreds of products. What we try to make it, we try to make it easy to onboard um, new vendors onto the tool. So most of that involves our staff walking any new vendors through the process of adding new products and images. And then we basically hand the keys over to them to continue managing it after the onboarding process. But we do all the onboarding, we provide all the training, and then we let the vendors take it from there. How easy is it to use? And how much time would it take to use? I would say it's very easy. Like one of the one of the pieces of feedback that we usually get back on our tool is how user friendly it is and how easy it is to manage product data. And it's exactly what you expect. You go you log into it, you can see all of your products, you can see all of the images related to your products. And then when you click either to search a product or to click into a product, um, it gives you the full product detail, all of the information associated with that product. It shows you all of the images associated with the product as well. And then either if you need to change an image or if you need to change any of the information related to the product, you change it in one place. And then you can tell the system to distribute that change everywhere else it needs to go. Sounds like it um, saves vendors a lot of time um, and probably manpower that they might not have otherwise. Um, what about for retailers? How is this beneficial for retailers um, I, aside from making it easier for them to work with vendors? So from the very beginning, we designed this with both the vendors and the retailers in mind. One of um, the key scenarios that we wanted to tackle with this tool is that we heard from the vendors that they were frequently getting requests from retailers um, for product information and for images. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to let the vendors have the opportunity to share product information and images with those retailers. So what we built out is a feature called the retailer portal, which allows retailers to log into product fast lane 
and then find their favorite vendors, find the vendors that they they commonly work with, and then they can log into those vendors' product fastlane account. Usually, in most cases, they get kind of a limited version of it. They can only see certain images and certain product information. And then there they can download it. And the use case that this is trying to solve is that those retailers, instead of having to copy and paste information from the vendor's website or having to copy and paste images, they can just go to Product Fastlane, download all of the product information associated with their order, download all of the images associated with their order, and that makes it a lot easier for the retailer to update their uh, point-of-sale systems and their e-commerce systems. Wow. So from both sides, vendor and retailer, it sounds like this is a pretty amazing product. Um, and it sounds like it's pretty important um, for any vendor to use, uh, especially if they're working with a lot of retailers that, um, you know, happen to order from them online. So that sounds really amazing. Yeah, I was just saying that um, we're really trying to make their lives a lot easier on both sides. Um, we're trying to make it easier for the vendors so that they can manage the data and images and for the retailers that they have easier access to the vendors' data and images. So how can um, vendors interested in your product and also retailers, how can they find Product Fastlane? So vendors and retailers can both find information at productfastlane.com. So most of the information on that website is geared more toward vendors um, and the, giving them the benefits of using Product Fastlane, um, giving them information about how to set up an account um, and purchase the tool. If retailers are interested in Product Fastlane, there's a specific page geared toward retailers, so they can click directly to that page. On that retailer's page, retailers are invited to sign up for a free account. And then from there, once a retailer set up with an account, they can look to find the vendors that they work with on Product Fastlane. And there, they request access from the vendors, and then the, they can download uh, product data and images directly from those vendors listed in Product Fastlane. Thank you so much. That was so helpful, Dan. It was a pleasure talking with you, and um, I hope that you hear from more vendors and retailers because of our podcast about Product Fastlane. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much, Van Murray. Add on Tales. It's not time to check out yet. Here's an extra behind the scenes story before you go. So I know we've talked a little bit about pop-ups, um, you know, a, a while actually, but I wanted to bring them back up again. Um, one, you know, someone actually reached out to us on Instagram asking about um, you know, what type of audience is using pop-ups? Like how are pop-ups used? Is it, you know, smaller vendors, you know, that maybe are just selling online and they're trying to get into the physical space? Or is it, you know, a vendor making things in their home and then this is their, you know, first experience? Is it a retailer trying to make more money around the holiday season? You know, who's using pop-ups? So that's really been on our mind and uh, again, Carol Schroeder, who we love, and she's getting a lot of love this podcast because she's um, just very brilliant. Um, she wrote a blog about promoting pop-ups, and she had a lot of interesting insights about them. So I wanted to share a little bit about that. Of course, you can read her full blog um, on giftsanddeck.com because we reposted there. Um, but she talked about a study that actually just came out last month in August that said 20% of the retail spaces in Manhattan 
are either currently vacant or they're about to be, um, which obviously we've talked a lot about the empty storefront crisis and that goes along with that. But pop-up shops have really been, as Carol says, a bright spot in this bleak picture. So one advantage of pop-ups is that um, it, you know, temporarily renting a vacant space is usually, it's less expensive um, than a long-term lease. It also requires less investment in inventory, which is great. Um, And, you know, also these temporary stores are preventing some vacancies from being, you know, in the neighborhood, um, which helps with, you know, the overall state of the neighborhood and neighboring businesses. Um, And then, you know, sometimes pop-ups are successful enough that they become full-fledged retailers. So it's a way to sort of test out a store concept or a product category. And I think the really interesting thing that she talks about are a lot of contests that are actually going on surrounding pop-ups. So a few examples that she gave are, um, for example, the Danville Mall in Danville, Virginia. It is hosting a contest in search of the next great pop-up shop. So the winner will receive a free retail space during the holiday season and $1,000 toward redesigning the store. And then in Hawaii, this con- this phenomenon has even reached all the way to Hawaii. So Hawaii's uh, Windward Mall is in the middle of its second pop-up challenge, and their first winner actually now has an inline store in their mall, mm. which is really cool. Um, and... The prize in Windward Mall's contest is a three-month lease um, on a retail merchandising unit during the holiday season and the use of existing mall fixtures. The prize in Windward Mall's contest um, is a three-month lease on a retail merchandising unit um, during the holiday season and the use of the existing mall fixtures and utilities, which is great. That's significant. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously to enter participants, you know, they have to have a business license and write a proposal Um, And, you know, they judge the strategy and the concept creativity and that sort of stuff. And then um, Starwood Retail Partners is also a company that runs a lot of malls across the country. And they started hosting their Battle of the Pop-Ups in three of their centers in 2017. And they provide four months of rent-free space to the winners. So it's really a cool phenomenon that, you know, all these battle of the pop-ups and sort of promoting um, that sort of different temporary retail space. I just think it's really cool. And I would love to see, you know, more, um, you know, I won't say strip malls, but like strip malls and malls and those sort of like neighboring business areas promoting that. Maybe even, um, you know, city organizations or something can do something like that, too, to help support retail in their town. I just thought it was really interesting. And, um, you know, Carol does give a few warnings in her blog. And she says, you know, make sure you give careful consideration to the wording of the rules. Always read the fine print um, and the submission rules. And um, make sure that um, the guidelines for applications and the judging are very clear and that they follow, um, you know, the letter of the law in your um, municipality. Um, so we just thought it was really interesting. I know we've talked about pop-ups a lot. You know, we did a feature on it this year. Um, our uh, store events, um, REA winner, Living and Giving, was actually awarded that for their pop-ups. Um, you know, they had a pop-up farmer's market. Um, they had a pop-up shop. They have a permanent pop-up location. And, uh, you know, they've even helped um, a local uh, beef vendor 
start their own shop because of their pop-up store. So it is a really cool way to support neighboring businesses. And um, I look forward to thinking more about the idea of pop-ups and how it's um, progressing and, and changing and adapting and, and helping retail to survive. All right. Well, it's time to close up shop. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review and tell your retailer friends to tune in next time. And we can't wait to see what's in store for the next episode on Speaking of Gifts.